0: Is it possible to manipulate someone because you love them? This is The Awkward Apocalypse, a deconstruction podcast that examines Christian culture against the authority of scripture. I'm Corey Kuhn, and today, I'd like to talk about the tactics of love and evangelism. This is the catchy theme song. This is the catchy theme song. When I was in college, I was part of a Christian group and the Christian group that I was part of formed a relationship with the SSA, or the Secular Student Alliance, which was pretty much the atheists on campus. And the relationship I believe was something that was actually pretty special. Like that was one of my favorite parts of like my college ministry experience was being friends with the Secular Student Alliance because we learned a lot from them, actually made friends with some of them. And it it was just cool to have like a different perspective. Like one of the times that stands out to me the most was a time when we had almost like a small group Bible study with them. And during this meeting, we got together and we shared our testimonies. But what was interesting was the SSA people were kind of interspersed in the circle. And so when it would get to a Christian person, they would share their Christian testimony. And then when it would get to a member of the SSA, their testimony a lot of times would start with them being a Christian and then them giving their reasons why they left the faith. And if you're a Christian, you're going to learn from that. Like you're going to go home with things to think about. I don't see how you couldn't. And one of the testimonies that stood out to me the most, um, I can't remember the guy's name, but I remember him talking about forming a relationship with a Christian who shared, I think it was a similar interest in like rock climbing or something. And so they would go rock climbing together. And he said that after a while, the, the Christian friend started evangelizing to him and trying to convert him. And then he said once it became clear that he really didn't have any intention of becoming a Christian, his friend abandoned him. And there was just like the sadness in his voice and his face. And he said he was just so sick of Christians abandoning him when he didn't convert to their religion. He said, it just didn't feel like an authentic friendship. And to tell you the truth, he's exactly right. And in a lot of ways, this captures what I'd like to talk about today. And what I'd like to talk about is sort of the logic of Christian evangelism that causes us to treat other people who are not Christians as projects or assignments. And this kind of makes sense from a logical perspective. I mean, if the people who do not accept Jesus Christ as their Lord and personal savior go to hell, then we should literally be doing everything we possibly can to help them not go to hell. I mean, it does make sense. And that was sort of like the evangelistic propaganda that I was fed for a majority of my Christian life from different Christian groups, from movies. I mean, that was kind of like the evangelistic call to arms. People are going to hell and we need to rescue them. And so relationships were kind of seen through this lens of like, if you are not evangelizing someone who's not a Christian and you're friends with them, then what are you doing? You're basically sending them to hell. Like you're basically saying, I'm okay with them going to hell and you're not really doing anything about it. So it was like this pressure was put on us for like any relationship we had with someone who is not a Christian. You had to focus that relationship on evangelism or else you weren't being a good Christian. Like you weren't being a good disciple maker. In a previous episode, I discussed this sort of odd emphasis that evangelical culture places on not going to hell, and this is kind of an unfortunate consequence of that. Because rather than inviting others into a glorious relationship with the king of the universe, it's like we're on this mission to keep people from eternal torture. And while that might sound like semantics, I'd argue that it's not. I think that's an important distinction that makes a big difference in how we evangelize and how we view the Christian life. Because like I said in that episode, it's not about just not going to hell. It's about the good news. The good news is you can enter into a relationship with God and take part in the work of restoring creation to its intended order by ushering in the kingdom of God and living with God forever in eternal happy. I mean, there's so much more to it than just don't go to hell. But when we see the Christian life this way, it makes sense why we would see evangelism as rescuing people from hell. And there's so much emphasis placed on the negative that that kind of tends to dominate our motives and that leads to some unfortunate consequences. And the way that this plays out in evangelical culture is understandably repulsive to those outside of that world. While those within evangelical culture don't really see an issue with it because the ends justify the means the idea of people going to hell is so dire and it's so urgent that literally do whatever you can to keep people going from hell. And if it means entering into a relationship with them, while that relationship might be disingenuous in some ways, at least you love them enough to not be complicit with them going to hell. Like you're just idly standing by while they live their life and possibly die tomorrow in a car accident. And if you did not evangelize them, that's on you because now they're in hell. And that as a motivating factor can justify a lot of different tactics and i think within the evangelical world relationships are kind of viewed in two ways you either have someone who's a brother or a sister someone who's in the group someone who's saved someone who has made a profession of faith and someone who belongs to the christian community And then you have people who are potential converts. So whenever you have a friendship or relationship or whatever, the first thing you're asking yourself is, is this person a Christian or not? Because that totally changes the dynamic of the relationship. And so if you believe that the person is a Christian, then it's kind of like a safe zone where you don't have to do evangelism and you can kind of be like on the same team. But then if the person's not a Christian, then the function of that relationship totally changes. Now, the purpose of that relationship is evangelism and hopeful conversion of that person to the Christian faith. Now, in the very first episode I posted about evangelism, I talked about why evangelism is awkward. And I argued that the reason why it's awkward is because evangelism is often done in a way that is very impersonal and kind of lacks any relationship. And I argued that within our post-Christian culture, a relationship is the most important part of evangelism and discipleship as well. And so now I'm critiquing the relational part of evangelism within Christian culture. And so you might be looking at me saying, Corey, like. Why is this not enough for you? And the reason it's not enough for me is this is not the relationship that I'm talking about. The type of relationship I believe that is best for the context of evangelism is one that is real, one that's loving, one that actually cares about the person and not just whether or not that person is going to heaven or hell, because that's not the same thing. Because the love that Christians claim to have for those headed to hell feels kind of hollow when you realize that that love seems to be lacking from everything in between. A lot of times what I don't see is Christians who are really, really adamant about evangelizing people to save them for hell. I don't a lot of times see them caring for like people's physical needs, like caring for the poor. And it just seems like there's this very specific type of love they have for people, but it's only a love for the person's eternal fate. And it's not a love for like the person's general well-being or, you know, things like that. It just seems like there's something lacking in between. And so that type of love feels a little bit hollow. And when you look at it that way, it's a little bit easier to conclude that maybe that's not true love. Maybe your desire is actually just to convert people to your religion. And that's kind of being disguised as love. But this type of relationship can actually hurt a lot of people's feelings when they realize you were just my friend because you were trying to convert me to Christianity. You didn't really want to be my friend at all. And that's understandably offensive. Like, I don't think that's part of the Christian ethic. Like, I don't think that's what Jesus taught us to do. I don't think he taught us to enter a relationship with someone just to change them. Like I think the relationship can be an end in itself and something to be enjoyed. I don't think that every relationship has to be just a means to an end and ministry to be seen as like targets or assignments or projects, which is kind of the unfortunate consequence of this mentality. And I see that play out a lot. And unfortunately, I would say that the beginning years of my own marriage was really affected by this sort of like project tactics mentality of just ministry in general, not just evangelism, but of ministry. When I married my wife, in a lot of ways, I saw her as my biggest ministry, which in and of itself is not a problem. I think any Christian marriage counselor would tell you that your biggest ministry is your spouse. Like that's the person who's going to be most affected by your life, by the things that you say, by the things that you do. Your spouse is ministry. Like you pour into them, you help them when they're hurting. I mean, all the things you would do for someone you're ministering to are amplified in marriage but I think in seeing my wife as my biggest ministry, I interpreted ministry as kind of like an assignment or a project. And so I kind of saw her as like this thing I was working on, almost like I would work on a podcast episode or something like that. I saw her as a project and she felt that. And there was like a point in our relationship, we had like a really low point in our relationship where she just spoke to me like more honestly than she ever had. And she was like, I just want you to like love me and stop trying to change me and stop trying to make me into something. And for me, that was a revolutionary moment in our marriage. And I think a lot of that is playing into this episode today. Just kind of rethinking how I approach ministry and realize that a lot of people just want to be loved. And yes, you can want them to change, but if that is your focus, then I think they'll detect that. And it's kind of actually a turnoff to the ways that you want them to change. Like, I think it actually makes it less likely that they'll change. Because what I noticed is once I stopped trying to change her and I just loved her, those changes that I really wanted to happen that I was trying to force actually started happening and I wasn't the one doing it. Moving past that moment, it was just my love and support and just kind of my presence in her life that I think helped her to change more than me just like telling her she needs to change or trying to like force change to happen within her life. And that really made a huge difference. And I think there could be a similar approach going on here to evangelism. Like I think the more time we spend loving people, the more attractive what we believe will be to them. I think we're overthinking the tactics part. I think if we spend more time exercising authentic love for others, you know, what Jesus told us to do, I think that we'll see actually more converts and it won't be front and center of our intentions. I think it'll just begin to happen more naturally because we're sharing with them a real love and a real hope that we have. I'll give you an example. A lot of churches do VBS. It's a normal thing. It's not a bad thing. But I remember one particular time we did VBS on a mission trip in America and it wasn't a bad thing at all. I took part in it. I still am proud that I took part in it. I think it was a good thing. Um, But I remember just kind of stepping back and looking at it because the way that we invited children to the VBS was we kind of pitched it as like daycare like we went around the community and we advertised that this was going to be kind of like, you know, a good opportunity for parents to have their morning for a week. Like their morning will be free for a week because their kids can come to this VBS. And I remember I I actually had a conversation with someone there and I said, doesn't this seem like kind of deceptive to you? Because like if I were a parent and I were atheist, like, didn't care about religion at all. And I sent my kid to this thing thinking it would just be like, you know, like fun activities for the day. And then I go there and figure out that basically the whole thing is centered around them indoctrinating my child about Christianity. I would be pretty upset. I'd be like, okay, look, I'm glad you're taking care of my child, but can you please stop that? Like, is this really the kind of relationship we have where you're going to kind of trick me into giving up my child so that you can indoctrinate them? Like, I don't know that I'm not saying it was a bad thing we did. I was just trying to like, think of what we were doing from an outsider's perspective. And that's kind of what it looked like to me. It looked like the, again, it just looked like tactics. And I'm not saying it was that. I'm just saying like from the outside, it looked like there could be some sort of deception in like kind of baiting people into coming so that now we can drop the gospel bomb on them and hopefully convert them to our religion. And there's a lot more tactics involved than just this. I mean, inviting people to church is kind of a sort of evangelistic trap sometimes. I mean, some churches are kind of more centered around preaching just like the bare bones gospel each service. And then one of the purposes of that is so that people who are new to the church will definitely hear the gospel. And so congregants are encouraged, invite your friends, invite your friends. And so that's the tactic of a lot of churches to evangelism is just get people here. And then once they're here, they're in the seats, they're stuck and they're going to hear the gospel. Gospel. And again, I can tailor my words to make it sound bad when it's not. And I'm not trying to do that. I guess that's just kind of part of deconstruction is you tend to think of things a little bit differently. And when you do, it's just kind of funny. Like w- when you're in this position where you're looking at something and you're like, is that normal? Or is that right? Or is that okay? I'm not saying it's not. I'm just saying it's just kind of interesting to ask these questions sometimes and be like, could we be doing this in a way that isn't so like bait and switch? Could we be doing this in a way that doesn't look so deceptive from the outside? And sometimes, yeah, the ends do justify the means. And I I feel like I'm going back on myself so much here, but the reason is because I don't want you to listen to this and think, therefore, we should have no tactics, because tactics in and of themselves are not bad. We belong to a culture that says you have to be completely authentic and honest and genuine, and any kind of agenda is suspect. And so, like, yeah, some churches have an agenda, and I think they would be open about that. Like, yeah, we have an agenda, and that's not necessarily a bad thing. I mean, I guess you could take the extreme example of Mormons or I think they prefer Latter-day Saints. I'm actually not entirely sure there. But you could take them as an extreme example of people who have an agenda, use tactics and are not at all ashamed of that. Like there's no deception. There's no manipulation. There's like no hidden agenda with those guys. I mean, they basically are there and they're like, hi, we're here to convert you. And you're like, oh, okay, cool. Um, why, why did I answer the door? But I guess that would be like an example of someone who has tactics and manipulation, they just aren't really ashamed of it and they don't really make an effort to hide it at all. And I'm not saying that's the ideal either. That relationship still is not really this like authentic loving relationship that I'm advocating for anyways. I guess that's just the other extreme end of the spectrum. And I guess that just goes to show that there are different approaches to evangelism that use tactics. Some are more hidden, some less hidden. But I do think there are some bad consequences to seeing evangelism in a sort of tactical way. And I do see this sometimes on the mission field, especially in ministry to the poor. Because the way a lot of ministry is conducted within poor areas is kind of like this, hey, we're gonna meet your needs and then preach the gospel to you while we do it. And I guess, again, I think of myself outside of the Christian culture at that point, and I try to think of myself just as like a poor person who desperately needs help, and I'm going to these people for help, and they keep preaching to me about their religion, and maybe I care about their religion, maybe I don't, but I'm like forced to sit there and listen to it, if I want, you know, treatment for my leg, or if I want for them to help me with school for my child or something like that. It's almost like an exploitation of their poverty with like this kind of aha, gotcha moment where now you have to hear about Jesus because you're poor and because you really didn't have anywhere else to go. And so we're going to kind of use that against you. And it just feels strange sometimes, I guess is what I'm saying like are we actually loving people at that point or are we just trying to convert people to our religion by using any means necessary and I mean that's why like uh, around the world a lot of schools are started by Christians and I would like to say that Christians start schools because they care about educating a community and a a lot of people do but for some the school is just a means to an end and that end is teaching people about Jesus and so I remember actually met a woman on the plane one time I think she was from Pakistan And she was telling me that she grew up going to a Catholic school, but the Catholic school was the best one in the community. So everyone wanted to go there. And so she just kind of played the religion game so that she would get her good education. And here in Liberia, almost every good university is affiliated with a denomination. So if you want to go to that university, you also have to go to their chapels and you also have to take classes about their beliefs. So it's like, if you want that good education, you also have to get exposed to their version of Christianity. You can't have one without the other. And part of the reason for that is you're poor. And I think it's important for us to try to imagine flipping the roles for a moment. I mean, let's pretend that in America, there's a huge presence of Muslim missionaries. And these Muslim missionaries build fantastic schools. Like if you want to succeed in your life, you need to go to one of these schools. You are forced to recite the Shahada. You're forced to attend Friday prayer and participate in other practices that Muslims do. If you want to get this education. I mean, I would imagine that in America, there would be a huge pushback for that. I mean, I would imagine that a lot of American Christians would not be okay with that yet when we do it on the mission field or in our evangelistic tactics we don't really see an issue with it but let's go back to christianity for a moment are these tactics of evangelism the best means of producing legitimate converts who love god with all their heart soul mind and strength in some ways i don't think so like if you have to use tactics to convert someone to your religion is that conversion really even legitimate or was it just manipulation all along And maybe that person is just like playing the game and playing along with what they have to do in order to get whatever you're offering them. Or maybe they just wanna be your friend and so they pretend to believe what you believe. I don't know, there could be a lot of reasons why someone's conversion might look real, but in reality is not. Like if you want someone to fall in love with God, which ultimately is the goal of evangelism, right? You want the person to love the God that you love, not just affirm the beliefs that you believe, but to actually fall in love with God and actually care about his kingdom and actually want to advance his kingdom and want to worship him. You want real converts, real disciples, people who cross over from death to life. Like the purpose of evangelism is not just to rescue people from hell, it's to actually bring them into a relationship with God god and i'm just not sure that placing tactics at the center of our evangelistic efforts is as helpful as we might think a lot of the conversion statistics that we have might not actually be accurate and a lot of people who are converted this way might not actually be christian and look i'm not saying that this is entirely wrong i think the motive is good i think the ends are good and i'm sure a lot of legitimate followers of jesus have been produced because of these evangelistic tactics But I think it's time that we revisit evangelism by placing love at the center of our quote-unquote tactics, if we could even call it that, and rethink our roles in society, not just as like Jesus's secret agents on a mission to save the population from hell, but as followers of Jesus, commissioned to spread the authentic and contagious love, freedom, and joy that we have in our hearts as it spills over into our relationships, which are ends in themselves. Thank you so much for listening. If you'd like to learn more about the work that we do in Liberia, feel free to visit standingsidebyside.org. If you'd like to make a donation, there's a donate tab on that page, or you can just Venmo at Standing Side by Side. That's one word. If you enjoy these episodes, subscribe to my show so that you can get notified whenever I post a new one, and that will help me to promote the show more. Thank you to everyone who's reached out to me and just entered into a dialogue about any of these episodes that I've been posting. It's helped me a lot. I've grown from it and I hope it's helped you as well. Thank you so much for listening. Keep the faith.